So the 20 picks up where we left off, which is right at the sound of the buzzer, kicking off the pod race immediately. Anakin has engine failure while all the other pods race off. Everybody gets kind of panicked. Uh, have we already lost our ship and our money? Oh, no. And then uh, finally he's able to kind of get it in gear and he blasts off too. Yeah, right at the end of the last 20, Sebulba did something to Anakin's ship. So there's a decent chance that that's likely the reason for the delayed start. But he flicks a switch a bunch of times, and apparently that starts the engine. Yeah. Uh, the race ensues, and a lot of action occurs as Anakin gains on the competition. Very quickly, pretty much all other competitors except for Sebulba are either killed or sidelined in some way or another. There's there's clearly a lot of like greasy behavior happening. It's kind of unclear exactly what's legal and what's not. It kind of seems like maybe... Uh, everything goes in pod racing, but uh, Sebulba is the king of fighting dirty. He's able to basically uh, wean out all other competitors except for Anakin, and now it's just uh, it's just down to the two of them. Yeah, so he's tried to basically take Anakin out a couple times with very du- dirty maneuvers. However, because uh, our little chosen one has some skills, <laughs> uh, he's able to kind of go with a back and forth between him and Sebulba, where near the very end, he's able to, uh, because Sebulba hooked onto his pod racer, he's able to free himself at the last second, which pushes Sebulba into a giant, giant rock and crashes his pod. Amazingly, Anakin Skywalker wins the pod race, and everybody's so happy and relieved. Qui-Gon goes to collect, uh, and he is met with resistance from Watto, who says the bargain that they had made pre-race wasn't fair, that Qui-Gon somehow knew that Anakin was going to win, and Qui-Gon basically throws the huts in Watto's face and is like, listen, do you want to get the big wigs in on our little uh, confrontation here? And Watto lets up, and uh, Qui-Gon is granted permission to free Anakin. Yes, but along with that, Qui-Gon gets the parts to the Nubian, uh, and he delivers those to Obi-Wan, and then heads back to Mos Espa to get Anakin. There's kind of uh, an emotional moment where Anakin realizes he's free, but his mom has not been freed, and so he's a little bit resistant to leave her behind. He feels guilty, but she kind of nudges him because he has this opportunity to pursue a destiny and 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 do something exciting with his life. So she uh, lets him go, and on their way out of Tatooine, they're attacked by a cloaked figure. Uh, Qui-Gon nudges Anakin aboard the Nubian, but he has to lightsaber duel Darth Maul in the desert. There's a pretty quick lightsaber duel between Qui-Gon and Darth Maul. Uh, Qui-Gon, because of the surprise, jumps up, does a force jump onto the Nubian, uh, and escapes from the fight because it was just not in the cards for today, and Maul totally got the jump on them. Uh, Along the way, uh, out of that particular uh, realm, uh, Anakin and Padme have another little heart-to-heart. She kind of comforts him. He's feeling a little bit homesick already. She drops a few uh, major um, uh, indications that she might not be who she says she is, and they go to Coruscant. Yeah, but right before that, uh, we get our first meeting between Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. True that. Uh, also, while there, there's a quick, quick cut to uh, Newt Gunray and C.O. Bibble, just a little bit more threatening of the Naboo people, uh, which is also adds a little bit of emotion to that conver- the kind of the conversation between Padme and Anakin. Yeah, so basically uh, the, the Viceroy, I guess they're nudging C.O. Bibble to send a transmission that's not exactly accurate. Is that fair? Yeah, they're basically 
they're not slaughtering everyone on Naboo <laughs> No. But that's what they're saying. And this is what I meant by... Uh, oh, just, sorry, one other final thing. Yeah. Uh, we do have a, a separation at the end of the 20. Uh, right. Whereas Anakin, Jar Jar, and Padme go off in one direction, and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan want um, a meeting with the Jedi Council. And Anakin's like a little bit tense about that. Yeah, he's very confused as to who to follow. And naturally, he wants to stay close to Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon's been his guide through all this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I mentioned about Padme dropping some hints when she's talking to Anakin. This is after she's just received the transmission from C.O. Bibble, which says her people are being slaughtered. Uh, Anakin's like, what's wrong? And she's like, the queen is worried. You seem sad. The queen is worried. Her people are suffering, dying. She must convince the Senate to intervene. I'm not sure what will happen. And that's basically her saying, I'm the queen, to the audience. But no. I never got that before. No, it's not. No, it feels like it to me. Why? Why else would she be receiving a transmission She's personally not. from C.O. Bibble? She's looking at it after. Because she was with Qui-Gon when that transmission came in. And as a result, she had the queen actually hasn't seen it yet. Oh, I thought that he had just sent that. Because no, they no, just no. showed him. That's the same transmission that we've already seen them send. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that, that one, Obi-Wan had already told them, hey, don't, like, do not respond to this. Okay. Uh, so that one, that makes sense as to why it kind of seemed like she revealed herself there. And it's definitely the first, like, is she more than what she's leading on? But well, yeah. Let's talk about pod races. Cool. Sure. The beam of energy that seems to bind the two engines on every pod racer always fascinated me yeah i think it fascinated me particularly because we had those uh, action figure pod racers yep. and you could remove the beam and it was much longer on anakin's than it was on sebulba's well i was also curious to know like what do you think is the reason why his pod is so much faster than everyone else's because I... it is so much faster i think it might be because it's so much smaller oh uh, okay but i wondered a little bit also why there aren't essentially weight classes in pod races. Like, why is one machine that could ostensibly have a much better engine allowed to race against, a, a, like, you know what I mean? Like, in, in stock car races, hmm. like, a V6 engine is not allowed to race against a V8 engine. Uh, I think it's because of just the way that the pods are designed. So as long as you kind of fall within that category, and like you said, it's kind of an anything goes. It's a free-for-all. It's not so much about who has the best pod, because it also requires you to be a brilliant pilot on that thing, well, too. And, and, but maybe that kind of answers your question. Maybe Anakin's pod isn't necessarily faster, the fastest in the galaxy. No, like but it say. is, because he doesn't do anything fancy, and he gains in the entire competition. Yeah, you're right, and he lost a lot of time. He lost so much time at the beginning, and he gets it all back. Yeah. And you can just see him. He's just zooming past everyone. Yeah, uh, It might be because of the smaller size and the aerodynamics, but it also could be, like you said, it could be because of that long beam. Who knows? I always felt that his design looked very non-aerodynamic because of those stupid flanges in the front, those big yellow arm thingies that stick up and down that you would think would slow it down like crazy. Right, but if it was something so simple as aerodynamics, <laughs> you'd think that more pod racers would build smaller vessels. Well, They're just one person. Well, maybe that's partly it, his ability to build a powerful yet very small engine. I guess. One that's not going to weigh the pod down, but yeah. still has the ability. Was it necessary to prove that Anakin... It was necessary to prove that he's a great pilot in this movie. Mm -hmm. Was it necessary to prove that he's a great mechanical engineer? 
there was never a necessity to do that. That has nothing to do with the Skywalker lineage. Uh, no, not really. No, it, it, it doesn't, and it doesn't fit with... Uh, they don't mention Vader's abilities in that regard in the original trilogy. It doesn't even have to be Anakin's pod. It can just be, like, Watto's pod that Anakin fixed up, or, like, uh, a pod that, that Qui-Gon won, and Anakin is good at driving it. There are a lot of things that could have been different yeah. with the pod. But, yeah, no, I definitely agree. It doesn't make sense for him to be that mechanically inclined. And, yeah, cool, great for the character, but clearly... All it was was George was so dead set on making Anakin the one who built C-3PO right. that he fit everything else into that. But it's okay if he built C-3PO. I, it doesn't really bother me because like C-3PO, but then he goes gung-ho like George always does with everything. He goes right. over the top and then makes Anakin a savant in every category. I'm just saying there are kids Anakin's age who are like a little bit engineeringly gifted and mm -hmm. they build their own gaming computer. Yeah. And like, that's what I see C-3PO is similar to. Like maybe he's just like, is kind of a nerd and finds it interesting. So he bought a kit, build, built a protocol droid and then jailbroke it. Yeah. Like that's fine with me, but building your own pod racer is that's insane. Like, yeah, you can't build a car. Like, remember the go-karts we built when we were little kids? Yeah. Those things were made of fucking wood. Yeah. And they had, like, <laughs> an axle that was literally just a metal stick. It was from a lawnmower, I believe. Probably. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> there's I know. no way. But it's just so silly. Actually, this is the first time I've ever noticed uh, some of the intricacies to C-3PO's build. I, they, they showed a couple of close-ups on naked C-3PO in this 20, mm -hmm. and you can see an orb in his skull like orbiting his processor yeah. yeah and i just found that so cool it's actually like rotating yeah the processors in a lot of the droids uh act like very much like brains and like a battle droid for example the processor's in the head and it operates like very similarly to the way a human anatomy would yeah uh, i was actually because i'm reading thrawn alliances it's really interesting because the battle droids are in half the book although vader and thrawn are on the main cover and anakin and thrawn are on like the secondary cover right it's like 70% Anakin and Thrawn. Oh. Uh, and like 30% Vader and Thrawn. And included in that 70% is, is a lot of battle droids. Is a lot of Padme. Oh, no kidding. So I'd say it's probably like, I don't know, 25, 30% of the book's Padme. And then like 40% of the book is. You seem disappointed by that though, because weren't we just talking no, about. No, I'm actually. I, I love the notion of. Because we need of it. more decent Padme. No, and I think it's great. I just thought it was kind of a weird like I, th I think it's an it's annoying that because vader is the fan favorite and uh, one of mine as well but that he goes on the cover even though he's probably the fourth or fifth most prominent character right. in the book it sells books yeah exactly yeah. whereas anakin is the main character in the book right and putting padme on your book doesn't sell as many books and as padme exactly yeah. uh, and so I, I get the logic behind it but anyway so i was reading in that and specifically padme shoots the head off of battle droid and cool. they mention how the bullet goes or the, the blast goes right through the processor the the b1's processor as it crashes <laughs> down do you know anything about the rules and regs of pod racing? Because I mentioned that it seems like a free-for-all, and I'm sure it is to an extent. But in an arena that has such high-stakes gambling, mm. uh, and they refer to the honor among thieves afterward in the interchange between Qui-Gon and Watto, mm -hmm. uh, there is definitely some kind of law. There has to be some kind of governing law above the pod racing casino. So is Sabulba cheating at any point is what I'm asking. I don't know. Surely what he does to Anakin's pod leading up to the race is you would cheating. Because he looks around suspiciously. You would think all of it's cheating. But yeah. 
I mean, maybe maybe like banging into another pod. Well, that's definitely allowed. Yeah, it, it is because be. it's just rough play. But and that's it's a rough sport. That's what the sport is. But yeah, I think maybe tampering with someone's pod leading up yeah, to the race is probably cheating. Like the weird like wrench that Sebulba throws and it like flies into someone's engine and blows up their pod. That's probably not allowed either. Right. So my point is, this is a heavily surveilled sport. Like we we talked last week about how there's probably monitors so everybody can see the full thing. And in fact, they showed us the monitors yep. in this twenty. Uh, Shmi has this like iPad. Well, they didn't type thing. show the the cameras though. That's what we were curious about. No, but like they they do. My point is the the entire uh, the entire event is being televised. It's being recorded. Yep. So all of this shady stuff that Sebulba is doing is presumably being caught on film somewhere. Yeah, so but how isn't close? that him? I don't know, but isn't he being disqualified at any point? Like, isn't there some kind of like referendum? It's pretty far back for. Uh... Like the view of Anakin's pod, for example. Yeah. So I would think Sebulba, with the speed that they're going, I think you could get away with some dirty things that people wouldn't necessarily see. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. That is something, and maybe maybe it's all totally legal. I I really couldn't tell you the rules of pod racing, and I the thing have looked into that. The thing where Anakin loses one of his two main cables, <sighs> and then he pulls out a giant magnetic wand and like reattaches it. How convenient, right? Yeah. Is that ludicrous or is it awesome it's ludicrous okay i because i thought i like the notion of it yeah and i think it's smart and it it kind of does make sense to have one of those rods yeah it kind of does right if something's like getting loose or like yeah it's a really powerful magnet it's also not like it's not uh insane technology no simple a simple premise yeah i guess it's not so ridiculous but when you look at every other pod and how the second it separated from one of its engines, it exploded and flew somewhere else, and Anakin's somehow managed to spin in a consistent spot. Right. And then it actually turned upright enough for him to pull it out and then connect it. Mm-hmm. That's what was the ridiculous part. What about when he catches crazy air? That's so cool. It is cool. That is an awesome scene. And it makes me wonder a little bit, like, what are the boundaries of this course? Because they should probably have... Uh, an altitude boundary too yeah so you can't just fly over top of the whole thing yeah i think that's a pod element maybe that has something to do with the pod design requirements yeah something about the design of your pod must be able it must like hover above like no more than 20 feet above the ground or something well yeah that's the thing it's it's a hovering ship it's not a fly it can't fly so right it falls with style but not fly (laughs) very good it's a disney property yeah it is now uh what won the twenty? I have uh, only two, um, only two nominees, and one of them is a joke. <laughs> one of them is uh, Anakin's post-race dirt beard. Oh my god, I love his dirt beard. Yeah. Not seriously, but it's so. But it also makes sense. Oh, it totally does. It makes sense that he'd be filthy. Yeah, he, well, and, and just where his mask hasn't been. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. He'd have bugs in his teeth. Too. Yeah, I actually thought that, uh, and a few. There was a, a few points of just utter realism in the twenty. Yeah, which is why my my actual uh, front nominee for what won the twenty. I never thought I would say that. I'll, I'm this. curious to know if it's the same as mine. Shmi Skywalker. Oh, really? No, that yeah. not at, not even close. No, I think she killed it. I think that she is a great mother in this twenty, mm-hmm. and she has the best dialogue in the twenty. Uh, she also has some awful dialogue in the twenty. You think? Uh, there are some corny ass lines in okay. there that are pretty bad, in my opinion. Um, what won the twenty was 
kind of those the like the subtle moments of realism but the one that really caught me off guard i wouldn't say this won the 20 uh, i think the cinematography won the 20 uh, sure but specifically when anakin's cold yeah on the starship i thought yeah. i thought that was so it's a nice attention to detail yeah like it makes sense he would be frozen he's this little kid who was born on a desert planet you come from a warm planet, Annie. Too warm for my taste. Space is cold. Yeah. <laughs> I find that corny. It's a little cor- it's a little corny, <laughs> but no cornier than some of Shmi's lines. Well, they just it's never It's so wonderful, Annie. You've brought hope to those who have none. Yeah, I'm that... so very proud of you. That was bad. You're right. Uh, how bad. about Now you can make your dreams come true, Annie. You're free. <laughs> You're uh, how like about Tommy Wiseau impression. How about But you can't stop change any more than you can stop the sun from setting. I don't want things to change. You can't stop the change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. Are you serious? That's the best line in the 20. No, I don't agree. No, but you can't stop change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. Yeah. It's fabulous. It is definitely the best line in the 20. Mm. Yeah, I guess. I don't really agree. I, it. I think it's pretty cheesy, to I also be honest. Like when she, it is cheesy, but it's like a really sweet, tender moment. I also like when she says... That's true. Um... Anakin, it, this path has been placed before you. The choice is yours alone. I think I, I think do that love that line. That is a great line. I think that she's very. Oh, I'm a huge um, fan of Shmi. I just think that the some of her the writing behind her lines is quite poor. It's quite corny. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's a play on the two sons thing, but it's not that great of a line. If it was, a, if there was a planet with just a single sun, it would be an awful line. I disagree because. This is the first time I ever noticed that she says sons and not son. And I always liked that line. Oh, yeah. I didn't like that line. Anyway, agree to disagree on that one. I have some other good lines in here. Okay, run me through some of them then. Um, oh, I don't care what universe you're from. That got to hurt. <laughs> Who said that? The uh, announcer announcers. Guy. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's a great line. That is good. Um, that little human being is out of his mind. Right, yeah. That's kind of a good one. Yeah. That's kind of a that good That is title. a really good one. Yeah. Um, why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Yeah, I like that one a lot too. And what does that mean? Let's unpack that a little bit. Because is he talking about Anakin? He's more referring to Jar Jar. Yeah, the first time they picked up a pathetic life form was Jar Jar. Yeah. But like another he, he is, is refer- He is referring to Anakin. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't quite realize that he's not so pathetic. And that's what Qui-Gon basically says to him. You mean the kid who got us the parts to get off here? Basically, like, shut up, Obi-Wan. He, he, like, it's guess. a stern tone he gives him. Yeah. It's like, a, what are you saying? Like, knock this off. Another quote I want to unpack a little bit is, uh, it is a Shmi line. She says, be brave, don't look back, don't come back. And this is after he has said, um, we'll meet again or whatever. She yeah, tells him, I, I don't have, come back. I have that here too. Are you sure she says don't come back? Yeah. I thought she said, uh, don't look back. Don't look back. I oh, I'll, oh, I'll stick it in here. Now, be brave and don't look back. Don't look back. Yeah, either way, loved it. Absolutely loved it because e- the meaning, I don't necessarily come back, look back, either way, but it really goes to show like she, he needed to follow that. Yeah, she he he did not he should not have come back ever. No, and it was like, and that's I mean, if not just for the worst uh, piece of dialogue in cinematic history, it's also a a big turning point for the dark side in Anakin is when he comes back to Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. There's there is a lot that happens the next time that he sees his mother. Um, yeah. So, 
definitely like that line. However, I do like the line that Qui-Gon has, and I love the way he delivered it. You're no longer a slave. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's very sweet about it. Yeah. I thought, and then there's like the sad thing where he's like, I tried to free your mother, but Watto wouldn't have it. And that was when I thought, but does that matter? Like, I thought, like, what is the worst that could happen if you just stole Shmi? They'll blow her up. (laughs) She has a chip. Yeah, that is the worst thing that could happen to Shmi. And also everybody else. What you're saying is George thought of this and he wrote that piece in earlier. Yeah. Uh, He's smarter than me. That's a bummer. (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right. Yeah, it does. It does really work. And the pickles there in the sense that, yeah, how come they didn't come back sooner for Shmi? Uh, I think there's some canon of Anakin having a lot of regret over that. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what, what it comes in, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting that the way they pose that, when I watched it when I was a kid, I like I really felt the same way. I felt angry that Shmi didn't get rescued as well. I thought it was unne- unnecessary and unfair and it didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but in the long run, it, Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon does say it, like they weren't there to free slaves. No, I know. And... I mean, that's not what they were doing ultimately anyway. It was it was about the Jedi. Yeah, it was very self-serving, but it was yeah. also in a position where they their mission was to protect the queen. Yep. You start freeing a bunch of slaves or going the extra mile to free a bunch of slaves, then you're really treading some murky water. They're already on thin ice with the queen. Exactly. They're already yeah. on pretty thin ice. Right. Do you have any trivia for me? Uh, sure. Let's, uh, you start off with one. Uh, this is your Padawan question. You get this, no problem. What other racer had a delayed start? Ben Quadraneros. Yep, Quadranero. How long exactly is the pod race? Uh, nine minutes. Nine minutes, 30 seconds. Yeah. On the nose. Yep. Is that in real time? Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. I would imagine it would be. Because I kind of thought, like, there's an awful lot of people to crowd into this stadium for a nine-minute event. And they do show that it's three laps. Well, I'm curious. And actually, I hated that uh, bit of exposition. Yeah. Uh, it was so just clear from 3PO. Yeah. Oh, that's the first of three circuits? Yeah, or whatever it was. The, the lights, too, as Sybil yeah. was going through. Well, it's also another, like, it should have only ever been a sprint it shouldn't have been a circuit race yeah it just feels like mario kart it's, it's like just, oh it's a race it must be three laps yeah like seriously and as a result it made it way longer than it needed to be it should have been like four minutes and just a sprint but i'm yeah. curious to know if if looking back and watching it again if each lap is approximately three minutes because then i i would feel comfortable saying it's probably real time well and if it's like a day at the races if there's going to be a bunch of different races happening throughout the day I can appreciate that, but it seems like they all piled in for one event. Yeah, that does seem like the and case. And again, like that's got to last for at least an hour for it to be worth going to. Nope, not at all. Not at all. Big boxing fights, big boxing matches can last a couple minutes and people can I know, spend I know, hundreds Russ, of thousands of There's lots of smaller fights leading up to McGregor Mayweather. Yeah. Who knows? Something may have came before this. Yeah. But... I don't know. I think it's the gambling. I think that's the main part. And I think of a horse race. More importantly, that's the better comparison. Those, Again, those last no time. Yeah, but there's other events happening. Eh, not always. You want to ask a night question? I don't have a night question. I only have two questions for you. And uh, I mean, if anybody would get this, you would, but it's tough. What material does Anakin use to carve a keepsake for Padme? A Japur snippet? Yeah, it is, it is a Japur snippet. <laughs> I made this for you. So you'd remember me. 
I carved it out of a poor snippet. It'll bring you good fortune. So you just like reached into the recesses of your brain and pulled out Japor snippet? Like just watch the twenty today. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what that is? Can you can you break that down for me? Uh, I think Japor is a kind of wood in like Star a tree. Wars. It, it's clearly wood, so yeah. <laughs> some form of tree. Yeah, I wonder if there's any uh, other canon about that little carving because it looked like a tribal sort of totem. It's a it's a good luck piece, and I'm sure there's more history on it as to like where Anakin learned about them or but it's it's really interesting to see that Padme's holding it when she has her funeral her funeral uh, mm-hmm. at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, it's it's something that like to remember me by. Right. It's kind of like I don't need this to remember you by, but actually in the end you will. Right. He he will he'll die he'll he'll end long before he dies. Right. So I, th- I thought it was really nice in that regard and, and kind of kind of sweet when you think about it and much definitely makes it a much sadder um, little totem to look at later on. Big fan of Anakin's backpack, of which you had one. Mm-hmm. Remember that very well. Yes, I do too. I had that as my nostalgic moment, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Totally <laughs> and that is. entire scene of just like the looking back uh-huh. and uh, not being able to do it. Yeah. Cause like when you're a little kid, you always imagine that you're like, oh, what if I were a Jedi? But I always kind of had that moment. Like I was like, yeah. I would totally feel the same way. Like, yeah, how do you leave? How do you leave? Oh, God. Can I not be like a Jedi in Halifax or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's wrongdoing. I'm in a Halifax. local Jedi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, local Jedi, Ross Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, like the regional uh, or assistant to the regional Jedi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to wear the robes. That's right. Right. <laughs> uh. All right, I'll give you my uh, I'll give you my night question. What color is the half of the announcer who speaks English, or in the Star Wars world, basic? Uh, orange. Orange is correct. Yeah, yeah. The uh, one who doesn't speak basic is green. The other half is green, and the English speaking is orange. Basic is the Star Wars term for English. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. As after. Reading about 27 hours of Thrawn, uh, and Thrawn speaks a lot of languages, the term of basic dialect has been very, very um, present throughout. That's good to clarify. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And Star Wars does a really good job of the things that uh, are very Earth-based and have found their way into the movies, finding canonized ways to make it work. and things that are not necessarily relevant to the other world, like similar to R2-D2, for example. Time-related things time, still really money, bother me. Um, time, it's... Uh, years. Years really trouble me. Year, years are an Earth-based thing. Yeah, but it's Coruscant years. Yeah, okay. So that's 360 rotations, which is the same as an Earth. Of oh, that's a, cool. Yeah, it's a 360 of like a 20... I didn't know that. I'm glad you told me that. Yeah, so like they, it's based on Coruscant because that was the center of the Galactic Republic. Uh, and so that everybody just fell on their calendar, mm-hmm. similar to the way that we all operate on the, what is it, the... Gregorian calendar? Yeah, whatever. So mm-hmm. exactly. It's just, that was the one that stuck. Right. Uh, my, aunt, oh, also just so you know, because it's kind of interesting, um, Bede and Fode. Are, are their the na- names? Are the names, yeah. Okay. Bede is the orange one and Fode is the uh, the green one. This is kind of a pedantic question about the Padres. How come Qui-Gon and Shmi and Padme and the lot have such a great skybox? I don't know. 
How Qui Gon probably uh, scammed his way into. Well, a actually, seat? it wouldn't shock me if the racers each had, like, if you are racing, private, you get a, a private area. viewing area for. Because yeah. it's like in a lot of the cases, there's a decent chance their loved one may die. Yes, so. <laughs> but he's there representing Watto. He is there representing, mm. and Watto has other seats. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. I just I don't think you'd necessarily I think they're just they wanted to remove it because uh, they didn't want to have them in the stands in same, with a bunch of the the hooligans on the Tatooine. Now there's not a whole lot to say about the lightsaber fight cuz it's really brief, but two things that I think distinguish it from any other uh lightsaber duel in a Star Wars movie leading up to this point. It happens halfway through the movie. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, and that had never happened. There was always like with Star Wars, it's always like towards the end, there's a great lightsaber duel. And that is still true. But previously there wasn't like a mini one, a teaser leading up to. Well, that's why I very specifically want episode nine to mirror Revenge of the Sith more than Return of the Jedi Mm -hmm. is because I want more lightsabers. I want it to be action-based. I want it to be very expansive across the galaxy. I want it to be... Like, I don't want the negative ending, but I, I want those elements as opposed to kind of that same rehashing where, oh, it needs to have the duel at the end only. Right. Like, I really like that teaser element of it. Also, uh, up to this point, it's the only uh, Star Wars lightsaber duel that takes place outside. And there have been more since, but leading up to this, they're all, like, really contained in these big uh, aluminum prisons. Yeah, and I always never thought on, of that. And always on bad guy territory, too. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's really interesting. Well, this is on bad guy territory as well, almost. Kind of. I mean, also, like, Cloud City's not bad guy territory, but it is infested with bad guys at the time yeah, it takes place. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the same as the end of this movie. Right. Uh, if they're on good guy territory, it's just... Taken over by bad guys. It's being taken over. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting. Uh, let me see. That's all I have for, for this 20. Uh, I have my master question here for you. Okay. Uh, what is the animal that Qui-Gon rides back or to and from uh, Mos Espa to the Nubian ship? I don't know. It's like a donkey kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's like a hairless camel is what I saw someone compare it to online. That's the thing that poops in the last 20. Yeah, or farts in Jar Jar's face or something. Right. I don't know. What's it called? It's called an Eopi. An Eopi. All right. Eopi. E-O-P-I-E. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Okay, cool. Um, not a whole lot left to say in I mean, the... half of it was consumed by the pod race, which was very little speaking and plot. Yeah, I mean, not too much really happens there. A um, couple things I wanted to point out on. I mentioned the cinematography was incredible in this, but the cockpit shots specifically yeah. were so damn cool. Yeah, really. You mean like the, the first person shots? Yeah, yeah, like from Anakin's perspective? Yeah. Like that is just... And I, I think uh, clearly the basis of the entire pod racing game was, right. was, were those shots. Yes. But it's like, it's, it's nothing else you see in Star Wars. Well, no, except for that they do show uh, the first person view out of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, but for some reason this is very different. I think it's because you can see the speed in relation to other objects. Yeah, the terrain. Yeah, and I th- it's it's so much different in space because... Well, we don't have anything to compare it to. It's just stars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was. it's a very, very cool view, and I think one of the coolest views is seeing the cavern that they're, that they're careening through narrow and then knowing that they're going to have to turn vertical. Yeah, which is also a great kind of... Solo does a great shout-out to that. Totally. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. 
Um, not a whole lot else in here. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, I guess a, a couple things on the, the take backs side of thing was Jar Jar creepy uh, saying how hot Padme is to I was going to bring that up. So what, what exactly does he say? He just kind of says... He says a, pity hot. The queens are being grossly nice, Mr. Kings. Pity hot. That's that's his creepy line. And it's, she's 14. It's for, She's 14 and you're saying this to a nine-year-old. Yeah. However... The other thing I think these also take back is how insanely intimate their little conversation is. It's a little too Padme and Anakin foreshadowing. Padme and Anakin. Yeah, the Padme and Anakin conversation on the ship. I just like. What's wrong with it? Like the I'll, I I care about you. It just like his like to remember me by. It was just a little weird. It wasn't like creepy, but it's creepy because you, we all know what's coming. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure we did. Leading yeah. up to that conversation, like he had a crush on her, but just the the only way we would know is that the only way we'd know she's Princess Leia's mom is that she's royalty. Yeah, I, but we don't know she's royalty at this point. No, you're right. I don't even. I didn't make it. I I thought of her right away as being the Skywalker mother, just purely on the basis of Anakin's clearly the father, and we're going to find out who the mother is in these in this trilogy. And so it kind of was just always obvious that it was Padme to me. Well, it was, but it was also odd because he was distinctly younger than her. Yeah, but it just always seemed like, oh, they'll resolve that in the next one. And they did because they caught up. They caught him up in age or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Like, maybe because we'd already heard that someone had been cast for Anakin in Attack of the Clones, or it probably didn't happen quite yet. Um, Casting news wasn't something we were really following. In no, I, I know it wasn't, but there's got to be something that allowed us to know that they were going to do the time jump that they did. Well, I, I just think we assumed we were building up to Darth Vader. Yeah, I guess. And so we just knew that there would be a time jump because it has to be. Right. Yeah. And how much time are we really playing with here? Like, Obi-Wan's 25. Yeah, good point. We need to speed this up. Yeah. So, fair enough. Uh, I guess at that point we could have expected like maybe they were going to do like seven year jumps between each movie. Right. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't really struggle with that, that sequence. I mean, I thought it was like corny, like most of the screenplay is, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't find it like troubling. No, I just found it a little bit weird. And I also thought it was funny because she explains why she's sad yeah. and he immediately doesn't understand. It's so obvious yeah. that Jake Lloyd as an actor and as a person did not understand the words that Natalie Portman was saying. Oh, that's very interesting. His face just glazes over because she's talking about politics. Yeah. And he just immediately is focused on delivering his next line. Right. It's very clear that he just wants to, sh like, here's the thing I made for you. Yeah. But kind of at the same time, that's not a bad thing for the character. You have this little nine-year-old with a crush on this 14-year-old. Yeah. He's just like, okay, finish what you're going to say so I can give you this little thing I made you. I guess. It, but it was just... Very, cl very clear that he did not comprehend what it's she was saying. It's an interesting observation. Yeah, okay. Just kind of a weird one that stood out to me. Uh, I think that's it, though, for the 20. It is, yeah. Uh, there's some other things in the this, this Star Wars world, but... Uh, Can I kick it off? Yeah. Adam Driver's hosting the season premiere of Saturday Night Live. That's a very you thing to kick it off with. Look, that matters. Uh, we may get... Um, what's his face back? Randy or whatever. No, Matt. Is. I think it yeah, was. Yeah, you're right. Matt. It's Matt, the maintenance guy. Uh, maintenance or radar tech or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think they should definitely do that. Oh, they have to. And he was great when he hosted the first time. 
Um, but he he's kind of like an awkward... He's not like a celebrity, Adam Driver. He's very bad at being a celebrity. Yeah, he's not great in interviews. Which is and- really just a byproduct of him caring more about his art form than the fame, which is what you want from somebody who's in something you care about. Yeah, he's also like... He doesn't give anything away in an interview. Like, absolutely anything. Because he's a professional. Well, yeah, but that's it's very clearly for him that it, it is all about the art and not about the fame yeah yeah anyway so um he is he's a he's funny because he's a good performer but it's interesting because usually the season premiere of snl is kind of coveted Mm. so i'm not really sure what the angle is behind giving him this because he's not even promoting anything right now unless i'm forgetting something uh at the moment i think the most recent thing he was in was black klansman but oh yeah that's gonna be totally irrelevant come in two more weeks yeah yeah I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I'm sure there's something he's promoting, and if he's not, then he's just doing early promotion for number nine. I, I look forward to it either way. Yeah, exactly. Um, within the rest of the Star Wars world, let me go through some Resistance news, Star Wars Resistance, just because that was a good chunk of the news. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's going to be an interesting show, let me say it that way. I saw uh, like a prepackaged... Uh, little information piece where some of the cast is talking about their characters yeah i watched both of those the one on the team fireball as well as the aces the ace pilots i don't know which one i saw but i saw the one with which actor did you see with donald Faison, where he plays a character named Faison. he plays hype Faison. kind of like it i think it's awesome yeah he's a rhodian who has like attitude and but a heart of gold like let me read off the description here i actually have them all so i may as well dave filoni says it's one of the only times he's ever written a character based on the actor he wanted to get yeah because he had just ran into donald Faison at one point and he just went on and on about how much he was a star wars fan that's quite an honor to have a star wars character created with your name holy shit that's quite an honor but also let's face it if you're going to create a character specifically for donald Faison, yeah his name really, really, really works. Use it. Yeah. yeah, you could use the whole damn name and it would have worked. Totally. So I, I love it. Uh, Hype Faison is a cocky Rodian show-off whose heart is in the right place. Griff Haloran is a gruff ex-Tie pilot. He seems cool. Yep, Stephen Stanton does the voice. That's a classic uh, voice actor for the Star Wars Clone Wars and Rebels. He's done okay. tons of different voices. Uh, Freya Fenris is a fierce lady who's all business. Mm-hmm. Uh, she se- she has an accent, seems maybe French accent of okay. sorts. Uh, seems kind of stuck up, but by the book and willing to to help anyone out. Classic Star Wars role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very Holdo esque is what I kind of got. Okay. Um, and then Bo Keevil, mm-hmm. same species as Plo Koon. I don't know what Plo Koon species is, uh, just off the top of my head. But anyway. Every single character here is listed with their voice actor except for this character. And the description is a mysterious, quiet daredevil within the group. So my guess is that Bo Keevil does not have a voice actor and that the character has no lines. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, Plo Koon, very, very quiet character. They give great lines to in Clone Wars. Actually made a phenomenal character out of him. But guess they're kind of playing along that similar sort of line also the name on that one bothers me because it's based off of evil knievel oh yeah. evil and he's like a daredevil it just kind of annoys me it because right. of how on the nose it is you're right it's very kiddish yeah um for team fireball i hadn't seen this last time but it was out uh this is kind of the breakdown of the characters uh, you have jaeger who is the classic reluctant mentor mm-hmm. the one who's not who wants to get out of the game but has 
th- uh, kind of an, an instance where mentorship is thrust upon him reluctantly. Right. Maybe because, a little chip on his shoulder. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hardcore. Like, he's... It, it seems like a good character and seems like uh, some great voice acting. I forget the voice, act- voice actor's name. But seems like, despite how cliche the character is, could be a pretty decent character. Sure. Uh, Tam is another character. Uh, seems really great. Just seems to fit really well in the Star Wars world. The voice was just... It, I don't know why. Something stood out to me that Tam seems like a character that could have could have high potential in staying power. Tam, what about Tam? Uh, she's just a mechanic. Uh, is she the kind of young, younger actress voicing her? No. So she is... Um, the, character, the character's black. Um, the actress is black. Uh, yeah, yeah. She might have... Um, I don't know where her accent's from. Somewhere maybe in um, Central America. Okay. But just a very cool voice. The character just, I don't know why, just stood out to me as someone that fits for Star Wars. Uh, and then there's obviously Kaz is your modern day every 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 boy. Yep. Uh, not every man, but every boy. And this was actually something I found that interesting. Uh, his hairstyle, mm-hmm. the shaved on the sides and long on the top. Yeah. Very modern day. It is. I thought it was very interesting. And this was described. Making him like the heartthrob? No, no, no. This is uh, something that was very much focused on uh always throughout Star Wars. And I didn't really clue into this, but uh, I know you've mentioned how you don't like the name Ezra right. as a character. You're right. But Ezra was named Ezra purely because the creators knew a kid named Ezra. Right. They wanted to pick a name that was resonated with the modern time, similar to the way Luke was the every boy of the time. If they Finn wa- is the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you by kind of following that same line. So by having a character that was... Asian they or Asian American style, they couldn't go with an every boy name. Right. But they went with an every boy look. Okay. So and that's just kind of the way I'm picking it up. It's it's a the character is such a, a modern day cliche in his appearance mm-hmm. that I think they're just kind of going for that. And same way with Ezra with the long hair. There's I, an interesting thing though, when when earthly names appear in Star Wars, like obviously Luke is the essential Star Wars character. And so Ben right there those two names allow it to happen but there are like owen yeah but there are those are very strong and classic sounding those are almost biblical names Mm -hmm. there might not literally be luke is but like they they might as well be they're that classic but there's never going to be a star wars character i hope who's named like ashley you know what i mean or like stephanie i think that would be awful yeah Uh, but like what is the line it's interesting like we mentioned feel it okay character karina I'm okay with that. Was a name that was listed last time. That works. Yeah. I think that fits for the Star Wars world. You just have to be... Like, some certain names, some some people hate Finn. You don't like Ezra. Someone, some of them just won't stick for people. Right. But for the most part, I think they've done a pretty damn good job of finding the, 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 the names in our world that will translate over. Right. Like uh, Rose, for example, even. Yep, I think it's fine. It I, just works. A lot of these one-syllable names when you think about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. Paige didn't really work, though, for me. I thought that was a little bit of a weird one. Yeah, that's a little millennial-sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Actually, that's a really good point. There are a lot of one-syllable names in Star Wars, but there are a lot of one-syllable names in the real world. That's so. right. And two syllables, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing I wanted to mention is there is a real chance that Josh Brenner's character may be the... Like one of the worst things ever. Why? This character seems like a more annoying, just as childish Jar Jar. Oh no! It seems like a savant Jar Jar. Like, you don't think they would make that mistake again? Uh, the alien is a new species, which kind of bugs me. Mm-hmm. You use one of the many you've created already. Why not? Uh, and 
the small bits of dialogue I've heard from this character makes me want to skip ahead. Like, it just annoys me. Yeah. Uh, extremely childish. And to be honest, you could have plucked this character out of the trailer, and it, like, the art style would have seemed a little bit kidder, kiddier, but the characters wouldn't have. He brings the age bracket of the whole thing Hardcore down. Hardcore yeah. brings it down. Yeah. And, like... If this character is anything like what I saw, I won't watch the show. Okay. Because this character is the sidekick. Mm-hmm. Unless they really adapt and change and grow this character, it could be the downfall of the show. Yeah. That's my prediction. Because okay. this is, uh, it, it did just did not work in the couple seconds that I saw. It was this, it just, it's very Jar Jar. That's right. all I'm getting is an intelligent Jar Jar. Oh boy. Yeah. That's not what we need. No, that's not at all what we need. First uh, four episodes, The Recruit, uh, The Triple Dark, Fuel for the Fire, and The High Tower. Four very good names. Yeah, sure. I like The High Tower. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, so that's kind of it for The Resistance. Uh, a few other things. Uh, d- there's a deleted scene that I've seen with Han crashing a TIE fighter and uh, kind of getting scolded from Solo. Okay. Uh, and essentially and well not essentially but him directly getting assigned to the infantry uh, okay so it's early on in the story yeah getting kicked out of the navy and being assigned to the infantry uh there are the d- digital version came out so all the deleted scenes are available i haven't seen all the yet. i'll wait till the blu-ray comes out it comes out on the 25th um but uh yeah the the tie fighter scene was the only one that i saw it seemed like a decent scene but for the most part there are it seems to be the classic case of they cut the right stuff from the movie Uh, I did read a list of John Kasdan put 52 just factoids and tidbits on Solo. Mm -hmm. And I recommend you just go on his Twitter and and kind of look through them because there's a lot of them. And they're quite interesting. But he gives a lot of praise to Lord and Miller. Okay. There are a lot of instances like they shot the entire Han and Chewie uh, meeting sequence. It's interesting to learn what they did and what Howard did. He he mentions like a few like really good scenes. Like some of the best stuff in the movie they did. It's so interesting that... They got they were they were mentioned very little when that movie came out. It really seems like Disney did a good job of kind of sweeping their involvement under the rug. Mm. And it's classy if somebody is like, "Well, hang on a second. These guys, whether we all agreed or not, these guys definitely are artists who tried." Yeah, absolutely. And he like he spoke very positively of the work that they did. And a lot of the parts that I felt were some of the best in the movie were actually done by Lord and Miller. Good to know. So that was kind of interesting. Well, yeah. they'll never do it again. No, no, they <laughs> definitely won't. Uh, he could not have spoken more highly of Paul Bettany uh, or of Ron Howard. Um, it was really, or of, or of uh, Donald Glover either. Okay. Uh, he very distinctly says that this is two thirds of the Han and Kira story. Interesting. He says that the, the movie is was designed for a sequel, but they probably won't get one now. But there's going to be have to it'll find some way to retell the rest of that story. The story will continue to be told, but he very, very clearly indicated there's a third act to the Han and Kira story that has not happened. Good to know. I'm curious. I'm very curious to know yeah. that too. And that makes me... It, it explains a lot yep. as to what was left undone in the solo movie. But at the same time, I think that was a mistake. Yeah. Because they never should have planned on doing more than one. Right. Never should have planned on doing more no, than one. No, that's cocky. Yeah. But with Star Wars, I mean, if ever there's a time to be cocky, I get it. But yeah, that was I was kind of getting in a little bit ahead of themselves. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan on that one. Uh, but no, there's a bunch of like really cool little tidbits and things to read. Uh, I recommend you go through it. Uh, John Kasdan's an interesting guy. Uh, he talks about a couple different 
points on what things were Lawrence Kasdan and what things were him. And I know he's mentioned in the past, Maul was very much him. Yeah. He, he pushed for that. He thought it fit. Some he, he defended the notion of it wasn't just shoehorned in there uh, just to make it like a cool reveal. Yeah. Uh, he compared it very much to Kaiser Sose is what he was kind of going for as the man behind the curtain, but also the big reveal to someone that we all knew. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a very big difference between him and Kaiser Sose and that Kaiser Sose is like, like that character's been in the movie all the way. True, but just kind of in the sense of like the legendary criminal. Yep. And Maul definitely fitting the bill of the legendary criminal. Sure. Um, and so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, the, he talked a few more like of the parallels between Beckett and Han, and I really thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And I didn't clue into the notion of uh, Beckett's return, like his I'm going to leave mm-hmm. and his coming back and betraying yep. being the pure opposite of Han in A New Hope. Oh, yeah. Han leaving and taking the money yeah, and then coming back Comes because back his heart day. is in the right place and saves the day, whereas Beckett leaves... And it's like, you know what? I'm not in it for the money. I'm just going to go off. But then comes back and backstabs for the money. Yeah. So it's the complete opposite. So true. Which I thought was really interesting because I didn't pick up on that. Right. I didn't pick up quite how much paralleled. And I knew the, that was the goal. Beckett is the story of the what Han could become. Mm-hmm. It, like, so, it's something I like about, about prequels and backstory is then to go and look at the original figure, which is Han Solo in A New Hope, mm-hmm. and look at his face and tell yourself, that guy remembers Beckett. Yeah. It's so, like, that's kind of a fun way to look at well, it. There's another one is the thermal detonator scene. Yeah. Very specifically... The can't like John Kasdan design like that scene was designed to be the inspiration for Princess Leia pulling out the thermal detonator in Return of the Jedi. Oh, that brilliant. Han would have bragged about that story to Leia yeah. to impress her, and that she would have used it to actually bring a real thermal detonator yeah. and break him out. That's great because it's so similar. It mirrors the Jabba scene so well. It does. Uh, I just the characters mirror each other. I never really thought about. Yeah, that. and I didn't clue into it either. I thought I, it, it adds a lot. Yeah, uh, and just as an overall, if you go through, you'll have you'll gain a new level of appreciation, not just for Solo, but for Jonathan Kasdan as well. Right on. Uh, he re- like you can just tell that the movie throughout everything was thought about. Man, How he you- went into the family business, didn't he? He hardcore went into the family business, Jeez. and not everybody likes John Kasdan, but. I love him just purely on the basis of, and he, he can be a little bit like in your face, he can be a little bit annoying, yeah. but at the same time is he loves it yeah. and he gets it and he's in the weeds. Yeah. He gets the little things and he gets mm-hmm. the nuance of it. And so that's what matters in my books. I appreciate that even though you're such an intense fan and you have your convictions about Star Wars, your main criteria for whether or not you like somebody is if they're a part of the Star Wars family. Like that's very, that's well, very nice. Well, it even not they don't even necessarily need to be part of the Star Wars family already, but right. they need to appreciate it. enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, and like, in my opinion, that goes a long way. And I mean, you look at someone like Daisy Ridley who hadn't seen Star Wars before, but then you watch her first reaction to the Force Awakens trailer yeah. and she cries. It's amazing. Yeah, it, like it, it makes it okay. Mm-hmm. It's like you may not have been a huge fan before, but you clearly are so into this yeah. now, and you get it. Right. And yeah, she's not like as up to date on the canon world, but she's an actress. Right. She's not the creator. Doesn't matter. 
your creators need to be on that. And that's why I love the John Favreau's involved. And those kind of elements where you have people who really get it, guys like Donald Faison who loves it. Mm-hmm. So more of that, the better. Cool. One kind of final thing I wanted to talk about uh, is a comic series that is coming out and is super damn cool. Yeah. So they're going to do 24 comics. They're spacing them out every two weeks starting in... Uh, December this year. So a year of comics. Uh, year of comics to lead up right to episode nine. Awesome. It is called Ages of Star Wars. First eight, Age of the Republic. Second eight, Age of the Rebellion. Whoa. Third eight, Age of the Resistance. Amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. The eight comics in the first. Four good guys, four bad ones. Qui-Gon, Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, Jango Fett, Anakin Skywalker, Count Dooku, Padme Amidala, General Grievous. So this is like a real uh, omnibus of essential Star Wars. Uh-huh. This yeah. is, we're leading up to the biggie. So those would be like three bucks a piece. You just go on a Strange Adventures and pick them up every other Friday. Yeah. Well, so what I've started doing is I'm like, I've started purchasing the collections. Yeah. So like the Kanan comics, I forget how many comics there were, but it comes down to two collections. So I just bought the two collection books. Yeah. And so I'll end up, I'll, I'll, I'll get these when they make them into their kind of package books. I may have to do the comics though, to get them on time. Honestly, I read Archie that way, like the new Archie and it's a fun thing to look forward to. Yeah. It's just a new comic book. Not, I'm not talking about a graphic novel. Like you get them like on the weekly or like yeah, they the, come out every 30 days but yeah it's oh, fun cool. to look forward to oh nice yeah oh, I, I may do it then because uh, I've just kind of read them in collection but I do want that prior to episode 9 I want to have read them all so of course uh, but anyway the next 8 are Lando Jabba the Hutt Han Boba Fett Luke Skywalker Grand Moff Tarkin Princess Leia and Darth Vader jeez so these are uh, and then the uh, Age of the Resistance Poe Dameron Snoke Okay. Finn, Captain Phasma, Rose Tico, General Hux, Rey, and Kylo Ren. So every one of these characters is just going to get their own side story. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, just their own. To I don't know whether it's just to fill in the gaps of their canon, yep. or just to make us know them a little bit more, yep. or to pay an homage to a great moment. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of the details, but uh, uh, yeah, just sounds very interesting in that regard. I also have two more things I forgot, but uh, are on the the news front well that's something we can incorporate into the podcast then too like if uh if they come if they come out every other week we can we can talk about them on the podcast every other week yeah that's a great idea that's a great point uh yeah there's two other things though uh jedi fallen order the video game yeah uh the rumors around it are that it's the spiritual successor to the force unleashed okay they are hardcore focusing on the campaign uh they're gonna make this kind of along the like they're gonna leave battlefront to the multiplayer and this will be campaign-focused, story-mode-focused. However, the difference between this and The Force Unleashed will be your ability. Okay. In the sense that they will make the main character canon-capable. Okay. He's not going to be stronger than Darth Vader and the Emperor right. the way Starkiller was. Right. He's going to be a reasonably powered Jedi with minimal training. Uh, that's wise. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, they're not going to have people. I forget what they called. Um, uh, they were, there was a, a joking kind of term the way they mocked Star Killer's abilities, uh, but like he could pull he could pull a star destroyer from the sky <laughs> and crash it down. Like that's amazing. His cap- his abilities were way beyond what they should have been. Yeah, totally. 
So it's nice to hear that they're going to ground it a little bit. Force Unleashed had their 10-year anniversary this week. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and then this that last little bit is a rumor. It's a rumor that's blown up, and it's very likely. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want any potential rumors of Episode Nine, any spoilers, end the show now. Okay. Because we won't have a whole lot to say after this. But there's a big, big, big rumor that, uh, and this is something I kind of wanted uh, but not in this exact way, mm-hmm. is that Hux turns on Kylo Ren yeah. and feeds information to the Resistance. He's a mole to the Resistance. I can see that. Yeah, I wanted it to be that he picks another horse to kind of put his money on within the Resistance right? because it's not within his character at all. No. He loves the First Order. Yeah. It makes no sense for him to feed information to be a mole. You're right. That does not work. His father created the First Order with him mm-hmm. and Phasma and like the whole or like it does not work. Right. He is bred and born and into the First Order. Yeah, he may still care about the First Order and want to see Kylo be replaced, but that would not involve him feeding information to the no, resistance. No, but maybe maybe those are one and the same. Maybe he feels like this new Kylo Ren run uh, First Order is like too kind of infected by these other politics and he just wants to defect into his own original ideology which is like a smaller government well not so much smaller government but just a small military force that no one can go up against I'm just saying they're like Republicans okay so you mean Is that all you got? Are we good? Yeah, that is it. Okay, uh, if you want to be caught up to uh, us by next week, watch the first hundred minutes of A Star Wars Phantom Menace. Enjoy. Uh, there'll be lots more to talk about in terms of the 20 next week. I think a lot, lot's going to happen. Definitely. Yep. Uh, and in the meantime, if you want to chat with us about anything that we talked about this week on the podcast or anything at all, tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com and rate and review on iTunes. And until we are together again, may the force be with you.